0: We're in a prayer series, and as we've talked about, the challenge when it comes to our prayer series is to make sure that we're praying beyond just some of the average, ordinary prayers that we find ourselves with. In fact, uh, kids usually start out with some of these uh, prayers that are more self-focused, or we pray about our nutritious meals or comfort and safety, none of which is bad, but you can see this from kids. Like, For example, uh, one child wrote, Dear God, can you get me a smartphone? Santa must have forgot. That's true. You know, you get past Christmas, you're like, come on. So, you know, there's our God in the sky providing smartphones. Dear God, please make my parents understand that if I don't eat salad, I do better at school. That's a good prayer. That, I like that prayer. Uh, Dear God, please don't let it rain on Saturday. The first ball I hit will be for you. You know, you gotta love that, baseball people. Uh, this is my favorite, not even close. Dear God, I need you to make my mom not allergic to cats. I really want a cat and I really don't want to ask my mom to move out. I said, it's important. Uh, and dear God, I promise to never say those words again. At least not until my next shots, you know, so at least uh, at least there's some honesty there. Now again, it's awesome to see people praying in any way, shape, or form, but the whole idea is that as we grow in our faith, the hope is that our prayers also grow with them. And so we have gone through this series called Dangerous Prayers, trying to be a little more risky, uh, a little bit more intentional when it comes to these prayers. So in week one, we talked about Dangerous Prayer, number one, that says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Or dangerous prayer number two, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. It's hard, hard stuff. Dangerous prayer number three last week, not my will, but yours be done. All of these are deeper, harder, more challenging prayers, but they're so much more transformative and helpful and capable of what Christ wants to do in us and then what Christ wants to do through us. And so as we get started on this day, let's just recognize this reality. We all like comfort, right? Comfort is uh, one of the things that we almost ascribe to or or aspire to, you know, in our lives. We don't want to be inconvenienced. We don't want to be interrupted. We we don't want to face big challenges. In other words, God, if you really love me, give me a hassle-free day with good food, green lights, nice people, well-behaved kids, a great parking spot, and a loving spouse. Hopefully not in that order. But we like ease. But here's the problem. Comfort least in my life, has never moved me to action. Comfort has never moved me beyond me. In fact, I've never become so comfortable that I thought, let's go change the world because of how comfortable I am. It's almost like an oxymoron. See, comfort just brings about more comfort. So I wonder, can you agree that that's kind of the tendency for that? So before I introduce today's prayer, let me start with this. All our hearts have been broken or deeply moved by something or someone. At some point in our lives, all of our hearts have been broken or deeply moved by someone or something. I can remember in my sixth grade, my first broken heart with a relationship. She hurt me, and I'll never forgive her. I wonder if you can think of the last time you know, that your heart actually was broken or that you were so deeply moved by, by someone or something. Uh, maybe it was a, not a breakup, maybe it was a breakthrough. Like you finally got over the hump and you just felt such joy and such a, a, a emotion. Maybe it was a failure or maybe it was an incredible success. Uh, I know for this past year that my heart has been broken uh, at times with the divisive language, the insults, the gossip that I've seen with one another, with those who call themselves Christians all while everybody's trying to navigate the best that they can in a very challenging and difficult situation. On the other side, I've also been very deeply moved by how God has been working in our church and through people's lives and in our youth ministry and and in our compassion ministry and our outreach ministry and so many other places. See, the reality is, and here's the truth that you know in your own life, our hearts only break and we are only deeply moved for things that we care about. You will not be broken. Your heart will not be broken. You will not even be emotionally moved about things that you care nothing about. So if you want to know what you care about, identify what breaks your heart. Identify what moves you. I, I, I think about in the moments in my life when I got married, uh, when we had our, our kids, when I, when I got my first job or watched the, my kids do what they absolutely love to do. When I hear you making steps in your relationship with Jesus, all these things move me. Or some things that break my heart as I think back, uh, the finality of things. You know, when you go through high school and you realize, wait, this is the last of. I know we're experiencing that as I watch my senior son kind of go the last of this season, the last of this sport, the last of this experience, the last of this opportunity. And it's hard. It's hard when you go through those things. I I think about, you know, as I got older, some of the pain got worse even in my own life. Uh, When we lost uh, a child to miscarriage. And how my heart was broken, or when my dad passed away at the age of 63, and my heart was broken, you know, in that time. Why? Because I care about those things. And so you care about the things that your heart breaks for. Which leads us to dangerous prayer number four. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. See, we're all moved by something. We all we all care deeply about something or someone. But do you have a heart after God? Do you have a heart that breaks for the things of God? Is that something that is true in your life? In fact, one day, while his warriors were out on the battlefield, uh, David decided to stay home. And while he was at home, he peered over the edge of his castle, because he was king at the time, and he noticed a woman that was bathing. And he lusted after her, he invited her to his place, and then he sleeps with her. She gets pregnant. The problem is she's already married, and her husband's on the battlefield as one of his mighty men. He calls him home. He tries to have him sleep with his wife so he can kind of do a cover-up. Doesn't work. Tries to get him drunk in order to sleep with his wife. That doesn't work. So then he decides, I know what I'll do to make this cover-up take place. I'll send him to the front of the line to make sure that he gets killed. Because then when he's dead, then I can bring her into my own house, and then I can marry her, and nobody will know the difference. Problem is, is that God sees and God knows. So a prophet of God named Nathanael comes before David and says, you're this guy who sinned, and he tells this elaborate parable and story to get David all worked up, and he points this out to him, and David has a broken heart. He realizes what he has done. And in the midst of all of that, he writes this in Psalms 51, verse 16. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Now, what the heck is David talking about? See, in his day and age, the sacrificial system to the Jewish people, they would bring sacrifices to honor God. And David is saying, I find no honor in that. Because he understands the heart of God when he writes this in Psalms 51, 17. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. What David is saying is that God is looking for a heart that is broken for the things that break the heart of God. And he understands coming before God in that recognition will unite him with God in mission and purpose. So the first thing that breaks the heart of God is this, sin. Sin that separates us from him and each other. That's the story of David and Bathsheba. I mean, think about the sin that separated and caused chaos in an entire nation because of one man's decision and the sin that separated him from God. And so he writes in Psalms 51.1, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfeeling love because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin." See, God cares so much about sin. He's so passionate about what sin does and how it breaks relationship with him and other people that he says, there's no way that you and I can overcome this on ourselves, so I'm gonna send my son, which is why John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the extent that God loves us and he knows that this is a break in relationship and it breaks his heart, and so he decides to do something about it. In fact, where we get this prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, is called the Lord's Prayer. And a little bit later on in Matthew 6, 13, there's another part of that prayer that says this, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Because we know our hearts are prone to wander, prone to leave the God that we love. So sin breaks God's heart and sin separates us from him and other people. In fact, every major problem that you have in this life is directly or indirectly because of sin and the consequences it brings either from you or you can go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Every problem that you and I have in this life is directly or indirectly related to sin or the consequences and it breaks God's heart. The question is, does it break mine and does it break yours? The other thing that that, that breaks God's heart, we actually discover with the same story with King David. Uh, See, what's interesting about King David is it starts out with this phrase in 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, this is right before the Bathsheba thing, when the kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites, They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. David's mistake, if he had done what he was created for, what he was called to do, what he was given a position to do, he never would have fallen into the temptation, which then led to the sin in his life. His first mistake that he made was not sin. His first mistake was when he was supposed to go to war, as kings often do, he stayed at home to be comfortable instead of doing the purpose in which God had called him to live. Which I believe is the second thing that breaks the heart of God. Is a life not lived on mission for him. See, Jesus had purpose in his life, something that moved him, something that broke his heart for the things that break the heart of God. Luke 19.10, it says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. It motivated him, it moved him in such a powerful way that he gave up his own life. See, Luke 19.41, But as he came closer to Jerusalem and Jesus saw the city ahead, he actually began to weep. He wept as he saw what his people were doing, how, 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 how much they had wandered, how much they had never listened or followed God, and all the prophets that came. He says, I wish you would have listened, and it just broke his heart as he looked at his people. So here's what I don't want you to miss right here. If you have nothing else, tune in right here, online, on site. Break our heart, for what breaks yours should move us to action. It should move us to action. So let's start with this. Does my sin break my heart? Does it compel me to come before God often and regularly? See, the danger in life is when we start to come justifying and rationalizing and explaining our sin away and saying, well, everybody else is doing it, or it's not a big deal. When we start doing that, we actually make a big mistake. When we actually bring it before God and we're broken because of it, he heals it and we bring it to the light, it actually loses its power in our lives. But when it remains hidden, that's where it gains more and more power. And so even the Bible and James talks about confessing our sins to one another, that we might be healed, exposing it to this light. See, God's breaking is actually to draw us to not away from him. All right. If you ever have a kid, if you've ever been around a child and you're trying to discipline that child or something, the whole purpose is not to discipline the child in order to put distance between you and the relationship with the child, but it's actually to make them aware so that they will actually have a breaking in their heart for things that are wrong that are only hurting them and their relationship with you. And so they come and your hope is that they don't live in the shame, but they actually come to confess and that draws them back into relationship. That's what God is calling for that brokenness to take place so that it would actually deepen our walk with him. In fact, think about this. What if God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings? What if God's greatest blessings come from God's greatest breakings? See, sometimes the greatest pains that you and I will go through on this side of eternity could be used by God to have the greatest impact for all eternity. God does that in our lives. Things that break our heart, hard, difficult, challenging things. God takes that so often and he uses it if we'll allow him to use it in the lives of other people. So the question is, am I living my life for God's mission? Am I living my life for God's purpose? See, Jesus says in Matthew 28, he couldn't even tell his disciples, I've given authority. I have all the authority in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them as we've just seen in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Sure of this, I'm with you always. You're not alone to the very end of the age. And then in Acts 1.8, it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. See, God's purpose for your life is that whatever you do, and whatever he's called you to do, are you doing it for him and his glory? He has a purpose for you as you're a teacher, as you're a social worker, as you're a doctor, as you're a high school student. He has a purpose exactly right where you're at to be able to use by him, for him, for the lives of others if you care about those around you, which should break our hearts. It should move us deeply. In fact, uh, there's an old cartoon. I mean, we're going way back, that my dad... I actually grew up watching called Popeye the Sailor Man. Woo! Everybody ever heard of Popeye the Sailor Man? Yeah. Now, what would happen if you didn't know this about little Popeye? He's got incredible forearms. It's like, you know, no human could possibly have. But he was, a very, he was a weakling. He was little. He was picked on on a regular basis, and he would put up with it, and he'd put up with it, and he'd put up with it, and he'd put up with it, and, with it, and then finally he would say his famous line in every cartoon, this is all I can stand." I can't stands no more. And all of a sudden, he grabbed that spinach. Most, I mean, talk about a hideous thing. It's not like Red Bull or something. Like it's spinach. You know, and he'd throw it in his, in his mouth, and then his arms would double in size, and he would just put a whoop, you know what, on people around him. It would just be crazy. You know, he'd just beat up everybody around him. And, you know, they go flying 500 yards and all this other kind of stuff. You're like, yeah, Popeye. And he'd always rescue olive oil at the end. And it was the same storyline every single time. But I wonder, is there something in your life that moves you? Where you can say, this is all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And it breaks your heart and it motivates you to be used by God for his vision and purpose for your life. In 1947, a guy by the name of Robert Pierce worked for a religious nonprofit organization called Youth for Christ. Its purpose was to go around and to evangelize the world. And he had a heart specifically to go to China. Well, on his way to China, he actually ended up in Hawaii on a stop. And there he met a woman who introduced him to a girl that had no place to live and no way to support herself. And the woman looked at him and says, what are you going to do about this? And as his heart began to break, he reached into his wallet, took out the only $5 that he had left, and he gave it to the woman to take care of the child. And he said, from this point on, I'm going to mail this to you every single month for as long as you need. You got to go to China eventually. And he got to see the poverty and he got to see the situation, but nothing broke his heart more than watching the kids all in and throughout China suffering in unimaginable ways. And he was able to come back to American churches and he'd be able to to show them the pictures and the illustrations so that people's hearts could be moved and broken for the things and the opportunities that were taking place in the world where they could be used by God. Later, in his Bible, he wrote this prayer. Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. And so after he showed all of these faces, he started an organization that you and I would now know as World Vision. And it's made the difference in millions and millions and millions of lives since 1950. See, it's what you see over and over and over again. I can't stand it no more that I have to make a difference in the life of somebody else. And we see this breaking in God's purposes all through scripture. See, this is a prayer that you don't find in the Bible. You also don't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but we do know about the father and the son and the Holy spirit and how it all works. But the word Trinity is not there, but this prayer is illustrated all throughout the Bible. You go back to the Old Testament, There was Jeremiah, it was called the weeping prophet. He had such a breaking for his people. In fact, Jeremiah 8, 18 says, my grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. I hurt with the hurt of my people. And it inflamed him in such a passion to be able to preach God's message to those people, regardless of the outcome. That's how much he cared. How about Moses, a young Hebrew boy who grew up uh, underneath the comfort of being the prince of Egypt. He's next in line to the throne and he's out in the fields and he sees an Egyptian beat up a Hebrew and he jumps off and he beats the Egyptian to death. Tries to cover it up. Why? Because he couldn't stand it anymore. He couldn't stand that his people were going to be in slavery, and it drove him out of that comfortable situation where 40 years he was going to be developed by God to call back to Egypt to set the people free. Passion. How about David, as we just talked about? Little boy, (laughs) so little dad didn't even remember him when Samuel came and asked, do you have any sons that might be the king of Israel? He was out wandering, and and so dad one day says, you know what, son, I need you to take lunch to your brothers who are the real warriors out in the battlefield, and as David approaches the battlefield, you know what happens. He hears this voice in the distance of this large-mouthed Philistine who towered over everybody, and every morning would come out and just say vile things about his God, and he's like, I can't stand it no more. Here's what in the world is wrong with you. Who's going to fight this guy? And he jumped into the battle. Or Nehemiah, right? Comfy job in the palace. Tragic news comes that the walls of his hometown in Jerusalem have been broken down. And so he breaks down. He cries. His heart is broken. He actually puts his life at risk and asks the king for permission to go back and to rebuild those walls. He can't stand it no more. What is it for you? As you view the world, what is God allowed to break your heart for? The things that break his heart. If you don't have something yet, this is why this is so important. See, what happens is when God breaks our heart, I want you to be prepared. You're going to be ruined for the ordinary. You won't be able to live in ordinary anymore. It snaps us out of the self-centered pursuit of ease and comfort. We'll, and you think about it when it comes to pain. You and I only tolerate as much pain... As we have passion for, for the things we're willing to endure. The things that we really care about. That we're willing to to put through time. Which is why many of your marriages stay together. It's not because you're in bliss all the time that Hollywood would like to tell you you're supposed to be. Because after 20 years, you realize that person gets on my nerves. And you understand that that person puts up with a lot because they put up with you. And they put up with me. Well, what keeps it together? Because of the passion and the connection that you have to one another is greater than any pain that you go through. It's what holds you together. For me, I can tell you I'm moved and my heart breaks for people who don't yet know Jesus, in our community, for Christ's church, for us to make a difference while we still have breath, together as a team To say we left our mark for Christ in history through this place, in this season, at this time. I can tolerate a lot of pain and a lot of suffering if I know that we're headed in that direction. So what breaks your heart? What holy discontent compels you to action? Is it the unborn? When you find out kids can't read somewhere in the world, human trafficking. You heard a story from Larry Carroll and... Stephen's ministry, business leaders, maybe teachers, you want to empower other people, racial injustice, clean water, financial bondage, mental illness, trapped addictions, marriages healed, teens who are suffering, depressed, others who are addicted to porn, drugs. What is it that breaks your heart that says, I need to be a part of that? It will make life worth living like you've never lived it before you find yourself kind of blasé and just kind of going through the motions and you're just like, here's another day, another day, you have not yet prayed this prayer. Because when you do, God's going to answer it and you'll never be the same again. In fact, one of the most famous hymns that's ever existed, Amazing Grace. I don't know if you know the story you know, of Amazing Grace. Uh, it's written by a guy named John Newton. Uh, John Newton, you know, found himself as a slave trader. And as he became a slave trader, he found Christ. Christ convicted him of what that was and how it was wrong. And it completely broke his heart knowing and describing what he had done to Africans and what he had done to steal them from their homelands to take them back to England. And so he joined forces for the rest of his life with William Wilberforce. And you can do research on him who helped actually make a, a law that finally took place, the Slave Trade Act of 1807. But you can understand when you have been on that side and have gone through that kind of breaking and that kind of redemption and that kind of grace in your life, that no sin that you were involved in could separate you from God, that nothing that you would ever done or will do could separate you from him. The grace that was given to give you life, meaning, and purpose. All of a sudden, these words might carry a little bit more meaning. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. The greatest thing that breaks God's heart is you not having a relationship with him. And he will do anything he can to help with that sin nature of ours. We've got to open ourselves to him. And maybe that's you on this day. Maybe that's you watching, you know, online or at Otis as well. But the second thing is, what do you have? What could you tell someone to say that this is what breaks my heart? This is what moves me. This is what God has put into my life. And if you don't have something yet, that's okay. The whole point on this day is not to say, here's what it is. It's to commit to going to the next step, which is to pray daily. God, break my heart. For what breaks yours. Can you take time this week to do to pray that prayer, to maybe identify, talk with some others, and see what happens? Here's the promise: your life will never be the same again. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Father, for just your obedience of of men we've just talked about who prayed this prayer. God, I just pray that you would help us as men and women who are watching online or at Otis or even here at Barker, that we would just say, Lord, simply break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Help us to know what that is, Lord, and wherever we're at, whether we're a stay at home parent or You know, or work in the medical field or whatever it is, may we live with such passion, with such a drive because we pray this prayer on a regular basis. Thank you, Lord, for doing whatever it took to draw us into relationship with you, to take my sin on that cross and to know that I am forgiven. Thank you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.